Welcome to the Converge Community Church Podcast, where we provide for you the previous Sunday morning sermon. And now without further ado, may the Holy Spirit minister to your heart as you hear the preaching of God's Word. Um, And I'd like you to go ahead and turn in your Bibles. There's one in the rack in front of you, Matthew 12. Uh, Thatcher's going to come up and read it in a moment. Thatcher, why don't you grab the mic and come up in the front. So you're ready. Justin, you got to give him the microphone or whoever's got it. Uh, Let me say this while they're doing it. And Justin probably said this early, but half of you weren't listening. The other half weren't here. Um, This is a connect card. And it's not, we're not trying to fill like use paper. Um, But it's meant to be one interactive piece for you. So um, if you're newer, have never given us your contact info, you feel like doing that, you can. We've got emails and stuff if you want it. Also, if you have a prayer request, put it on here. we got a whole team that reads these. We pray through them. If you have a question about the sermon, you can put it on there. So it's, it's meant to be interactive. Um, there's a box back there on the side where offering goes, and these can go, and that would be great. So use it if it works, all right? Matthew 12. So uh, what we, we're going through the book of Matthew. And uh, how many of you read this one before the Sunday school class? How about that one? Okay. All right. That was 10%. It's not as good as it should be. It's all right. We're getting there. Better than 9% last week. All right. But once again, um, we're just walking through the text. So when you read it ahead of time, it just kind of prepares your heart to receive God's word. So whether it's, you know, Pastor Mike, Pastor Rob, Pastor Joe, or myself preaching, we want to hear God's word. We want to hear him speaking. It just... It has us ready. And I'm going to tell you, when Thatcher reads it today, and we're going to read it slow. Okay, we're going to try slow, um, because he can read fast. Um, There's a lot here, and there'll be some questions we have. Uh, One of the biggest questions I ever get asked as a pastor is in this text, which is an important question. I'll try to answer it quickly, but I actually don't think it's the most significant thing in the text. So sometimes those things take us off. But let me, let's just go back to where we've been in this. So um, as Matthew's given his gospel here, the question of Jesus' identity continues to be a bigger deal. And and you're seeing a greater distinguishing between some groups of people. You have the crowds that are asking about this. They're intrigued by it. Um, They're kind of drawn into it. And um, then you have the Pharisees. And what you see, the Pharisees is the religious establishment Jesus' harshest words are the Pharisees largely because they got the truth right in front of them. And they're not letting their hearts be changed by it. They know a lot. And let me just say, it's easy to look at the Pharisees and go, those dirty, rotten guys. But the way the Pharisees function in the Scripture is they're actually meant to be a mirror for us of our own heart. And we don't like to look there because we go like, oh, I don't want to be a Pharisee, you know, but let's just be honest. All of us have inconsistency in us. In fact, the very last word of this text as you read it talks about careless words. Anybody here never spoken a careless word? That's the one time I'll, I'll, I'll do the hand raising thing. Guilty as charged, right? So that's all, that's all coming to us. But, but what happens here is Jesus, he heals a guy, but in it you have this clash of the two kingdoms, the kingdom of Satan and the kingdom of God. And so you have people going, man, could this be the Messiah? And the Pharisees are saying, no way. They, they go a different way. And, and here's, the, here's the, uh, the tell. 
the Pharisees willingly reject the evidence that's before their eyes. Willingly. It's right in front of them. And they call Jesus' works the works of Satan. That's the tell in what the blaspheming of the Holy Spirit is, okay? So we will get to that question. Question I've been asked as a pastor. It's probably the hardest question people ask in terms of it's the sensitive soul that comes up for me. And they know about the unforgivable sin. And it's that word unforgiveness is like, I, I want to know what that is. And, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain it. It'll, it'll go fast and brief. If you got more questions, write it down and let's get together. I, we, we spent quite a bit of time with it in the class before. But it's that question of what's going on in the Pharisees that actually leads into something that's more applicational for us, okay? So I will answer it, or I will provide an answer, let's say it that way. Um, but it's the fact about careless words that's actually should be more disturbing to us, showing us what's in our hearts. And also, am I gathering with Jesus or scattering? So what happens is this story, this account of a blind man getting healed is what, use, what is used to do a couple things. Who is Jesus and how do I actually respond to him? And that's not simply for the first century. There's a 21st century part of that. And so it actually gets in. The, the end of the sermon, the end of this passage, will we'll zoom into, I think, some really reflective, heart-searching questions for us. Now, let me just say this. If you came here to sit through a service politely, this isn't the best place to come. Um, because what doesn't matter, myself is the front of the line. Any of us preaching or any of us sitting here knows I need God's word and I need it to speak to me and I need to respond to it rightly because hearing it is not enough. Jesus says, he who has ears, let him hear. We all got ears, right? Most, I think. We do have some people that have hard of hearing, but we all got them. He's not talking about the decibels, he said, am I listening to him and what he's saying? And it's way too easy to hear a sermon and say, man, I wish such and such had heard this. No, no, that's for you and me. And the whole deal with the Pharisees is they're always looking elsewhere. And let's just confess that's a tendency for us. We don't want to be that way today, right? We need to hear from God. We want him to speak to us, and we want to respond rightly. Okay. So would you stand with me? Thatcher's going to come and read. We're going to do this like medium speed. All right, come on up, buddy. Get your mic. His face. He practices. He's an awesome reader. He can read faster than I can think. Testing, testing. That is not loud enough. All right, testing, testing. I like that. Out, okay, hey, look at me. Outside voice. Outside, and I'm telling you, nobody here will think it's too loud. Okay. Good? All right, here we go. This is God's word. Then a demon-oppressed man who was blind and mute was brought to him. And he healed him, so that the man spoke and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, Can this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, It is only Beelzebul, the prince of demons, that this man casts out demons. Knowing their thoughts, he said to them, Every kingdom divided itself is laid waste, and no city or house divided against itself will stand. And if Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can someone enter a strong man's house 
and plunder his goods, unless he first binds the strong man, then indeed he may plunder his house. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Therefore, I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. And whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. Your brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the judge, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified. By your words you will be condemned. All right. With your Bibles still open, let's pray together. Give that to Justin. Jesus, we've heard your word read now. And we ask again that you would be the one who opens up our minds and our hearts to hear it and receive it as you intended. You are the one who knows everybody here. You know what the week has been like. You know our secret thoughts. We don't have to be scared of that. But because you know us, Lord, we're asking for your work in our lives. And we thank you for it in advance for how you will do that in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Okay, typical how to do this. I kind of break it down in kind of the structure, the flow. And there's two things. This first section, verses 22 to 24, it's really a debate about Jesus' identity because he's healing the demon oppressed. We got that one? Okay, that's, that's what's going on in those verses. So we, we have the healing of a demonized man, which is interesting. He's bound by a demon so that he is unable to see or speak. Think of that. He can hear. He can smell. He can't respond with his mouth. He cannot see. And this is not simply a medical condition. Jesus heals him. But it says he's demonized. Demon oppressed. This is the clash of two kingdoms. When Jesus is walking on earth, you're seeing these demon encounters all the time. And every time you see it, here's what you see, friends. We have to remember this. The power of Jesus is always greater than the power of evil and Satan. Always is. Still true today. Doesn't always feel that way. Still true. This guy didn't feel that way. But when he encounters Jesus, that's what happens. So for a moment, I just want to think, sidebar, of our enemy's strategy. We see this from Genesis to Revelation. Through every single book of the Bible, he seeks to dishonor God. That's his main objective. He hates God. He hates God's children. He wants to promote fear. He wants to promote anxiety. He wants to distort anything that God has spoken, anything at all. From the, from the garden, he's been this way. He is a liar. He is a deceiver. He's a promoter of sin and rebellion and pride. Hang on. Pride, which, by the way, I hope this is not a newsflash for you, exists in some form in all of us. He will want to promote it. It's a seed of where many sins come out. Pride is often not even spoken. 
It's sometimes the quiet introvert who's harbored all these thoughts and never thought it looks good on the outside. I'm just telling you, it's out there everywhere. And all I wanted to do with a few sentences to describe what is, is of his kingdom, what is of his strategy. From Genesis to Revelation, it's been that way. It has not changed. But we don't need to be surprised. Jesus is greater. Is my mic going in and out? That's probably battery. Is it? Is that me? Okay. You know I won't stand still, so the ha that handheld thing doesn't work. So. so anyway, what we see here is this healing, deliverance, which leads to a great discussion about Jesus and his identity. The crowds are going, is he the son of David? That term meaning, is he Messiah, the one who's been promised all these years? And then the Pharisees are saying, no, no, he's in league with the prince of demons. How can they see the same thing and reach such a different conclusion? How can that be? Which, by the way, is a clue to the answer of what blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is. They're seeing the same thing. Very different conclusions. The, the uh, crowds don't exactly know, but the, the Pharisees are speaking emphatically. No, he's, he's in league with Satan, it's his power. Can you think of anything more twisted than that? They have a predisposition to ignore the work of God, which is right in front of them, and it's worse than that. They are not simply ignoring it. They are calling this evil, attributing the works of God to the work of Satan. The, the willful, continual hardness of their hearts is astonishing. That sets the stage for Jesus' response, which we begin to see here in verse 25. So I'm going to read, so I got this broken, this section broken up into four sections. I'm going to read 25 to 27 because the beginning of Jesus' response is what he's doing is he is disclosing the inconsistency and hypocrisy of their logic. Look at, look at this as, as I read it. I, I, <clears throat> I love when, when a verse begins this way. And Jesus, knowing the thoughts, said to them, Whew, how would you like that? He knows what they're thinking. So he responds in this way. Verse 25. Knowing their thoughts, he said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and no city or house divided against itself will stand. And if Satan casts out Satan, he's divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by, by Beelzebub, who, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. Do you see what he's doing? He's exposing their inconsistency and hypocrisy. First of all, he's just saying, this does not make sense. A kingdom fighting itself can't exist. It's like a civil war. Civil war is never good for the entity. Who wins, who loses? There's loss on both sides. He says, it doesn't make sense. And then he goes and says, and you're being hypocritical anyway, the sons of the Pharisees, whoever's in their club, evidently was doing something with, with, with demon exorcism. He says, by whose power are they doing it then? He's indicating the reasons for saying this is something deeper in their hearts. Secondly, this is, this is a bit of a stunner. Verses 28 and 29, Jesus offers that they are actually witnessing the kingdom of God over Satan. Look how he says this. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. 
That should have stopped them in their tracks right there. Or how can someone enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man? Then indeed, he may plunder his house. He's, he's saying to them, the kingdom's come right here. This analogy, he's saying, I, Jesus, I'm the strong man. Walked right into Satan's territory, tied up this lowly demon, re restricting him so this man could be freed. Friends, that's what happens every time Jesus walks into Satan's territory, every single time. Remember the miracles where he just shows up and the demons are going, oh, please don't, 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 don't do this to us, or we know who you are. They do, and they know who's in charge. And when Jesus walk on earth, that's where we see his power all the time. Now, just this little sidebar, if you get the Wednesday Gem email and all this, we got a ministry in India that we connect with a lot. I've been there a couple times. If any of you are in the medical profession, there's an invitation to, for you to join a team there. So get the email. But I'm just telling you, this kind of stuff happens over there all the time. All the time. I won't weird you out by, by, by stories, but demon deliverance is, in the world, is a much more common thing. But the point I want to see is that every time Jesus walks into Satan's territory, it's clear who's the victor, it's clear who's supreme. He has all authority. Our enemy is no match for the power of Jesus. Nor is death or darkness or fear. We must remember that, friends. We got different kinds of challenges. We must remember our enemy's schemes, not be surprised by them. But Jesus is always superior. So here we are waiting this time period after his Death, resurrection, ascension. We are waiting for his return, longing for that when all wrongs will be made right ultimately. So we see the effects of evil out there. It should grieve us, but we should not fear. And as Jesus said all the way along in Matthew's gospel, if they hated me, they're going, if you're my disciple, if you look like me, if you're my children, they're going to hate you too because that's, that's the way the evil one works. All right. Now it gets more fun. Jesus confronts their opposition. Notice his confrontation. I'm going to read 30 to 32 again. Thatcher, well done. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Let me just pause for a moment. So whatever it means to be with Jesus, it seems like it's a lot more than word, right? Yeah, I'm with Jesus. It seems like... Whoever does not gather with me scatters. What's that mean? We'll come back to that one. That one gets lost in this text because of what he says next. Therefore, I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. And whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. So you won't listen to anything I say unless I address what is blasphemy in the, against the Holy Spirit. Thank you for laughing, whoever did, because that's just how it is. So there's a bunch of things that are important in this text. So I want to address that so then we can, we can get at some other things. Um, and I, I think it's an important question. Why? Because he actually used the word will be, won't be forgiven. So if you care anything about eternity, anything about Jesus' words, we're going to go, whoa, what's that? We should care. But throughout my pastoral ministry, I can't tell you how many times it's a sensitive soul that's come into me and just said, like, have I done that? 
And they, and they tend to say that because they feel something of God's disapproval or something's not going on in their life right, and they think, I must have done something like that wrong. So I'm going to give you the answer before I give you the answer. This is the tell. Look at what is forgiven more than what isn't forgiven. So we're going to get there. That, to me, is the shocker. But we look at what's not, because we, we I mean, I, I want to be forgiven, right? Whatever that is. How would I, so I'm going to answer that one, but the way to this is look at what is forgiven, which I think is going to help us with careless word and all that kind of stuff at the end, okay? So I'm going to answer this in four parts. Uh, none of these are projected. How about that? Got to use your ears. Um, first of all, if you are concerned about this, I can assure you that you probably haven't committed it. Why do I say that? Because the very fact that you are concerned is an evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life. Now, the evil one would want you to make you to think that way, okay? So hear me. If you're concerned about this, I can pretty much tell you that's not happened because that's an evidence of something different than the Pharisee spirit. You care about this. Secondly, this is not an oops or a temporary lapse. This is not a mistake I didn't know. Think of that in terms of the consistency of the gospel and all we know all the way through. Murderers are forgiven. Adulterers are forgiven. The one who actually betrays and denies Jesus is forgiven. You th does this seem consistent that I would oops and blaspheme against the Holy Spirit and not be forgiven? No. It's clearly not. So if you've wondered that, I want to assure you as strongly as I can pastorally, that's not, and if you care about it, that's good evidence the Holy Spirit is present in your life. Okay? I start there. What is the context? Jesus says this in light of some things going on. So if we're going to answer a complex question in the Bible, start with what's right there. You can also look at what in this particular book has already led up to that. So I'm going to do that. We spent more time in Sunday school walking through this, so it might too fast, but that's how we answer this, and this going in and out is bothering me, but I'll just keep going. Um, so Jesus is addressing the Pharisees. That's what triggers this, right? What have they done? They've seen evidence all the way along. We know they're already conspiring to kill him. They've seen him. He healed this guy. Demonized. They don't they go, nah, I did it by Satan. What is that? That's a willful rejection willfully denying Jesus' work, which is right plain before their eyes, and they are attributing Jesus' work to the work of Satan. Friends, Jesus' work is the work of the Holy Spirit. That's what it is. They're rejecting that to their eternal destruction. I'll, I'll, I'll do this fast, probably, Thad, if you put them up. So here's the phrase I want you to get. Jesus' work is the work of the Holy Spirit. So remember in Matthew 10, verse 20, he sent out his, his uh, 12, okay? He sent them out, says, when you speak, when, when authorities deliver you, don't worry about what you're going to say because it will be given you by, do we have it? If we got it, put it up, 1020. It will be given by the Spirit of the Father. That's what he's saying. He's, he's giving authority for his ministry, his ministry is the work of the Spirit. When Jesus is baptized, the Spirit comes upon him in power. He goes out into the wilderness. Jesus is ministering in the power of the Spirit. Uh, we saw it last week, chapter 12, verse 18. 
It's the prophetic word, behold my spirit whom I've chosen. This is God speaking of his son, my beloved with whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him. He will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. Jesus' ministry is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. That's what they're rejecting is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. How is a person converted? No, I'm gonna, I don't have this one, that it's okay. How's a person converted? John chapter three. How do you enter the kingdom? It's a story with Nicodemus. Everybody knows John 3.16. But what he says is, you must be born again or you must be born of the Spirit. Friends, how do you make a person to believe? You can, you can tell them everything you want, every logic you want. You can't make them believe. The heart has to move towards God. It's a work of the Holy Spirit that does that. That's what they're resisting. This is a hardened disposition against the very work of the Holy Spirit. They don't want to repent. They don't want forgiveness. They've hardened themselves. So when a person says, I wonder if I've committed that, that sensitive soul, there's no way they have. That's not what that is. Okay? So I think it's a, a particularly hardened disposition against the work of the Holy Spirit that doesn't want to be forgiven. That's just not forgiven. Can I just say that spirit still exists this day? I'll just say that. It's out there. Now, here's my fourth part of the answer. Notice what is forgiven. It's stunning what is forgiven. So we did this a little bit. I, don't, I won't project it again. Uh, what verse are we? Oh, verse 34 starts this way. So he says, whoever's not with me is against me. Whoever does not gather with me scatters. Therefore, I tell you, anybody got it open? What's the next word? Every sin. Therefore, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people, but the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will not. Get the word every. It's right there. Next verse. And whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be, what's the word? Forgiven. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven either. Okay, wait a second. You can speak against Jesus and be forgiven, but not the Holy Spirit? So again, this, it's Hebrew parallelism each time. Here's what's forgiven. Every sin can be forgiven. If you repent, come to Jesus. Every sin can be, but not blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Forgiveness, you can, you can deny Jesus and be forgiven when the hearts turn, but not against the Holy Spirit. So this is, what, this is how I conclude this. This is a resistance to God's work through the Holy Spirit. You don't want to be forgiven. That's who's not forgiven. But what is forgiven is what people don't see in there, which is stunning. every, against Jesus, which includes a pretty long line of people, by the way. So Daniel brought this up in terms, in, in, we're in the Sunday school class, like Paul was ignorantly opposing Jesus all the time till the Lord worked in his life and, and in the light, he, he's against him. Peter is denying that he knows Jesus. So I'll, I'll say this and I'll move on, okay? So for the sensitive soul, if you care about this, man, if you want to follow Jesus, that, the Lord puts that desire in you. But any sin that's ever happened, that's what Jesus came and died for. That is it. He knows that. Every single thing. The worst things at all. But the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, it's no oops. It's a hardened disposition. It actually against, it's someone who doesn't want to be forgiven. That's different. Okay? So, by the way, <laughs> in this room, we have people who would say like, yeah, I was kind of like that and God changed me <laughs> still. I mean, you could be... 
So we should never be going thinking about other people like, yeah, they probably committed that sin. That's not our job, okay? That's like God knows all the hearts. But we've seen the most unlikely people God change and turn their heart. That's what he loves to do. So I would say the emphasis ought to be on see what is forgiven. That's the stunner in here. I needed to answer the question because you won't hear anything else. Now I want to keep moving with the text because I think the application for us is coming next. Okay. So what is forgiven? Oh, here's the what. Here's, here's the verse that's kind of striking to me before that, and it gets missed. Verse 30. I think we got to get that. Whoever's not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Man, since my youth, that's been a convicting verse. It's like Jesus saying, there is no neutral. There just isn't. So you get your gear shift level lever here. It's like there's no N. You can't, you can't go into neutral. It's forward with him. It's an active verb, gathering with him or scattering. So whatever it means to be with Jesus, it's a whole lot more. Yeah, I believe in Jesus. It's a whole lot more than my words. And I, I'd say this is good reflection for later. What does it mean to gather with Jesus? Do I, is that my desire? Is that what I, is that what I do? Is that what I want to do? So I think Justin, I mean, one of the examples I think, um, Friday night was awesome when we, when we gathered, like 40 of us all together. It's mostly young people. And the guy, the guy who started said, yeah, I'm doing this because I was reading this biography about this guy. It's a guy that's kind of mentored me later in life through his writing, uh, Jack Miller. And he just said, like, he just, he's always doing things in faith. I, I think I want to grow my faith. So he wanted to do this. I'm an introvert. So uh, some of these guys actually went around and actually knocked on doors and said, hey, do you want anybody to pray for you? That's kind of weird, huh? <laughs> so they had, they had all the responses you could imagine. But there's some people who said, yeah. Um, some just walked around and prayed over places or whatever. But I'm telling you. So seven different groups dispersed around this little town just praying. And there's people that weren't like necessarily like Christ followers that would have said, hey, thanks for caring. They at least got that part. I don't know what God's going to do with it, but I'll tell you this. And, you know, it's a lot of young people, you know, and so, but there was older people too. We had 80-some people, year olds. It was just a step of faith. And I know some of you couldn't come and were also. Just that attitude, that's gathering. That's gathering. It's not like you're measured by all the things you do. Do, do I want my life to gather for people? Am I, am I aware of that even? Oh, I know, I know, everybody's busy. Everybody's got stuff on. I'm like, mostly, I'm just trying to get through the day. But there's no neutral. I'm either doing this one or that one. So that's a very convicting verse to me. And I just say it this way. If you want to gather, or maybe I'd say this, if you want to want to gather, just ask the Lord, Lord, help that be more rhythm of my life the way I think. Because Jesus just says it, it's either this one or that one. I certainly don't want to be a scatterer. But the fact that he doesn't leave room for neutral ground is, that's a bit stunning to me. So for me, out of this text, that's one big point of reflection. Luke, how well do we know each other? Just getting there, not much. Okay, I'm gonna ask you to help me with an illustration. You okay with it? You trust me? Because Alicia trusts me, you should, but that's the only reason. Okay, I'm gonna ask you, because I'm gonna ask you to help me with the next one. 
Next thing is this. I guess it's a big part of the text. I title this way. Jesus exposes the evil in our hearts. So I'm going to read 33 to 37. It's connected to what's happened and what the, what the Pharisees' words have been. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak, for by your words you'll be judged, and by your words you will be condemned. Jesus is not letting the Pharisees off the hook. These words are very serious. So here's the two verses that stand out to me. Verse 34, it says, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And where Jesus says, verse 36, I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word. So I said this in the beginning. The Pharisees operate like a mirror. We should not go, that's for somebody else. It's for us. I mean, have you ever said something that you later regretted? I didn't mean that. We got... Um, my, uh, my daughter who lives in the city has got her foster kids staying with us. So all havoc goes on. And, the only, and so we, I've been watching more kids' movies than I should. Um, so I think there's a scene in Shrek. I love Eddie Murphy's a donkey. He is just hilarious. I think they wrote that for us, actually. But um, I think he's doing these things like, oh, who did that? Who said that? He's looking around, you know, like, like he's saying these things out loud, all the things you're thinking that you're not supposed to say. He's saying, who did that? Um, for those of you that are older, remember the old phrase with Flip Wilson would say, like, the devil made me do it? That one, okay. Both of those scenarios are, this thing that's inside me just got said. I'm blaming someone else, or where did it come from? So how about our secret thoughts? We all have them. They can, uh, they can be careless. So Dan, Todd, as we were talking this week about this text, said, hey, are you going to do the cup illustration again? So, Luke, come on. Have you, have you seen this one? I don't think so. Come on up. I'll only do this to people that I feel like I can get away with it on. Okay. Just come on right over here. I want to get you away from my Bible for a very good reason. Okay. Can you just hold that cup? That's one, that's one of our, that's our, uh, like if you're guests and you come in, you get one of these cool cups. Okay. So people, Yeah. People do nice things for it. So Luke's holding the cup. You holding it good? Yep. What's it say in there? It says converge. Okay, you got it really good? Okay. Oh. Thanks. Oh, you're welcome. Sorry. What just happened? What, what just happened? I got a little wet. You, you, got, a, you got a lot wet. You're kind. Got, got a lot wet. Why? Did Luke just get wet? Why? Why? Why is there water on Luke? Those of you that know this, don't say it out loud. Those who've never seen, why is there water in Luke? Say it. Why is there water in Luke? So a lot of people go, because you said bad word, turd, whatever they want to call me. You just shook that thing all over Luke. Here's the truth. I won't do any more. Thank you. Yeah, fair enough. The reason why there's water in Luke, I won't do anything to you, is because there's water in the cup. What if it's Coca-Cola? Then it'd be Coca-Cola on him. I also picked you because I thought you might have a wet, dry shirt. Something there. Okay, thank you. So we've used this a couple of times. It will dry off. It is just water. 
um, to illustrate something because it tends to be memorable. Our lives are shaken all the time. You don't get to control what happens to you. Okay? So what's on you is what's in the cup, what's in the heart. That's what comes out. Happened to be water, which Luke is glad for. Could have been Coca-Cola. Not as nice. So when our cup gets shaken, things come out. Careless words come. Something It comes from somewhere. He says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Devil made me do it. Oh, who said that? Those are humorous ways and different kinds of comedian or movie things to say, like, there's things that are there we don't like to acknowledge, but they are there. They're there. And that's important to realize. All right? So they're there. Now, follow me this way. <clears throat> Even if, so this thing in my heart, the careless word simply exposes what's in my heart. And even if I don't manage to say them, they're still there, and they're still evil, and they corrupt us. That's where bitterness comes from. That's where unforgiveness grows, stoking our pride so that we think we're better than whoever. So here's the deal. We all need a heart change. We need that work of the Holy Spirit. We need that. We all do. I'll go back again. What is forgiven? Every. You come to Jesus, the careless word. So there's a serious accountability. You're going to be judged for those things. But when you come to Jesus and you repent or you ask for his help, he gives, he loves to give it. So he's showing that. There's, there's one sense where he's, he's given a strong word to the Pharisees, but to the crowd he's also speaking to them and just saying, all our hearts need to be changed. We all do. That's what he loves to do. And that, friends, is really where the gospel is in this. Every single thing can be forgiven if we come to Jesus. Do not resist the work of the Holy Spirit and bringing it to him. Don't think you're better than somebody else because we all have that need. So I'll just conclude this way. In all this, we see the clash of these two kingdoms. It starts with this, this healing and this encounter, but we see Satan's strategies more devious and deeper than that. We see how it works for the religious establishment and what they're thinking. But we also see the redeeming work of Jesus. See, he, he can grab anybody. He can grab anybody. So here's the questions we want to end up reflecting on. I'll just say this. If you get the email... And you can, oh, that's on the Connect card. You can ask for it. So there's a section in the Wednesday email that's always got like sermon notes. It'll have these application questions also. I'm at, we should be reflected. Do I gather with Christ or am I, am I passive? Jesus is calling followers who will follow and seek him to change them, to change our hearts. So here's the questions. Do I want my life to gather people towards Jesus? We got these said? Yeah. Do I want it? Am I gathering people with Jesus? Am I? And what keeps me from that? There's things that sometimes keep us. Getting a search down into that's pretty helpful. So that's the gathering part. What keeps me from that? And then the, then the, uh, the next one has to do with careless words. Have I spoken careless words? Have I done that? Secondly, where am I tempted to speak careless words? And it's not just where. It might even be like, with whom? It tends to be a person. Honestly, it tends to be someone we're close to or we live with. 
Why is it we hurt the people we love? Finally, then is there a place that I need the Spirit's work of repentance? So when I use that word repentance, it's a biblical word, just this like, when you see that you're, you've moved or done something in the wrong way, the gospel frees us to do this. Sometimes people will deflect it, try to blame it. And say, don't, you don't have to. Just acknowledge it. And ask his forgiveness is full and real if we come to him. Just that. And then ask his help to change. It's what he loves to do. It's why we're here. It's why the, we have the cross on the stage to demonstrate to us all the time, this is what I need. I need his grace and forgiveness, and I want him to change me. And I want to be that kind of person to others. Okay, a lot there. Let's pray. Join me, if you will. Hey, how about this? I'm going to give voice to prayer, but if even in speaking, the Lord kind of pointed something to you, just even in your own mind and heart, not out loud, but just like you acknowledge it to him, okay? So let's do that. Father, I thank you that your word is so active. I can, I can think of so many times in my life where your word has shown me something about me that I didn't see. I thank you for your love and grace and mercy. You came to seek and save the lost, Lord, and we were lost. But you didn't come to condemn us. You came to save us. So, Lord, I pray everybody, I, I pray there would not be condemnation here. But if someone sees a weak spot in their life or if they've not yet turned to you, Lord, I pray this would be a moment or this would be a day when that happens. Some of us, we, we feel pretty bad about some things we've done, maybe even things we said this week, Lord. I pray that we'd talk to you about it really honestly. We'd receive your forgiveness in a way that allows us even to apologize to somebody if we need to do that. Um. Thank you for changing us. Thanks for being a Savior who does that, loves to do that. As we give you thanks for this day, we invite your work in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. Make sure you come back next week to hear the next message in our series.